to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars Sessions podcast. Part of the team loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars Sessions. This is the way, this is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hudge, and joining me here, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy, he's got great hair, it's Luke Bly, Master Blywalker, how are you, sir? Oi, oi, Savaloy, yes, I am well, mate, I am well. Uh, How on earth are you, you naughty spicy boy? Yes, mate, I'm doing all right. I had a lovely weekend again, seeing the nipper, having a good time. Uh, it's just been just a bit under the weather this weekend, so it's a nice, quiet weekend, um, sh- uh, making sure that she got better. Plus, it was nice for me because I was knackered from a long week at work. But, mate, I'm doing very well, but the most important thing to me is how are you doing? Mate, it's a bit chilly out, so mm-hmm. I'm wrapping up. <laughs> I'm wrapping up and I'm taking it easy, taking everything day by day, mate. But it has been busy in the Star Wars universe, hasn't it? And we've been busy too. So there is a lot of stuff going down at the moment. Isn't that right, mate? Mate, it's never, it always seems to be busy in the galaxy far, far away. Even when there's nothing going on, it seems busy. But in a minute, there is a ton going on. Uh, and this week, we are joining in the celebrations for Star Wars podcast day alongside i believe it's 90 other uh, great content creators and podcasts star wars podcast day celebrates the 20 well, this this year it celebrates the 23rd anniversary of the premiere of jedi talk which was the very first star wars related podcast it wasn't called a podcast and it was just a a talk show which emanated from the internet but that debuted on february the 7th nineteen. 19- 99 so ever since then every every other podcast including ours has kind of spawned from that so we're joining in that and star wars podcast days basically this is just a celebration of star wars and uh, via audio content so uh, let's all give ourselves a pat on the back for the fabulous Yay. content that we provide that's it there you star go. wars star wars podcast yeah podcast no it's friends. great it's podcast friends it's great to uh be part of it and it's it's crazy to see how many star wars podcasts <laughs> yeah. there are yeah there there's a lot of us guys there's a lot of us uh but yeah it, it's it's a lovely lovely little community so it's great to be part of it uh also coming up in the uh what episode are we on one one four eight 148 main shows there's not even our recaps our extras our round tables which is which is immeasurable well no it is immeasurable but there we go um (laughs) episode 150 is coming up and we are doing a Q and a special for it. Aren't we Matty boy? And we want all your questions because we will be answering them. And this goes out to everyone, by the way, all listeners, you don't just have to be a patron. Obviously our patrons do get priority because that's how it is in the world. That is just how it is. The patrons, they get, they get that VIP experience that vip (laughs) experience so get if you've got a question you've always wanted to ask matty boy and i the weirder the better 
and try and keep it on brand try and keep it star wars we want to hear it yep yeah get him in you know you know if you don't know where to send those questions listen in at the end of the show we'll give all of the places for you to drop those but honestly we're going to get through all of them we've had some through so far which are absolute bangers so it's up to you lot to see if you can top what our patrons have given us so we're throwing the gauntlet down if you've ever wondered matt what brand glasses do you wear now's the time to ask it guys now's the time to ask i'll save that yeah honestly you're gonna gonna, you want to wait to hear this so i'll save (laughs) this for the for the show but um see that question's now been taken but maybe we'll answer it anyway when we get to the 150 but that's going to be a banger cannot wait every every q a we've done has been an absolute filth fest so yeah get them in we'll drop the uh sending locations at the end of the show um we also probably should mention that our book of boba fett recap for chapter six dropped last week within hours of that particular episode dropping we have our recap out full spoilers it's an absolute with the episode was a zinger the recap's an absolute zinger we've got one more to go for the season finale which is well by the time this episode drops we'll be mere hours away from the season finale but if you want to hear our spoiler filled thoughts on chapter six check it out on the star wars sessions podcast feed it's a good one isn't it mate i mean it gets crazy it gets real crazy. So if you've not listened to it, <laughs> listen to it after this episode, because we have a lot of crazy coming in this episode. But yeah, I mean, we went in, didn't we? And I, I'm just, I'm so excited yep. for this week's Book of Boba Fett, which is obviously <laughs> the season finale. So stay tuned oh, for that, you bunch of Star Wars sick heads. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it, Matty boy. And lastly, I've heard we got to throw some shout outs to some people. Do you know why, Matt? I, I mean, can you help boom, me with this? Boom, 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 boom. I heard it through the grapevine, mate, that we have a new oh. patron. You want to give him a shout out, Lukey boy? Take it away, son. Yes, big shout out to our latest patron, Jake Swinburne, who has joined at the This Is Where the Fombergons tier. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute sick head. Welcome to the session sick head um alliance Jakey yeah. boy. I don't know what it's just usually session sick heads, but I've decided to add alliance onto it this week. Maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't. I don't know. I don't decided know. Decided to unify the cause. Jake Swinburne though, what a name. I love it. Yeah. That's, That's a pretty like, Star Warsy name. I like that. It, right? I was I was I was genuinely going to say that. Yeah. I was like, wow, Jake Swinburne pilot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah gaggle pilot swinburne um jakey boy thank yeah. you very much go on i can see you desperate jake jake, jake swinburne padawan murderer <laughs> yeah, yeah i was gonna go cargo pilot but okay jake you're a padawan i know cargo pilot that's good as well yeah all right no! well um jake thanks thank you so much mate for signing up jakey boy uh, we hope you enjoy all of the content we've put out uh, and all of the content that's coming this month we've got three extra shows coming plus there's a cheeky little um lanyap on there as well i can't say giveaway on patreon we've got a little giveaway on patreon this month only for our patrons it's up there now <laughs> sorry, sorry check it. It out. <laughs> yeah yeah it's all right because we're not i'm not typing it on the on the on the website so we can say it, oh yeah that's I'll, fine <laughs> What yeah, is, so our patrons yeah. know all about that. So check it out. <laughs> it's not a giveaway. No, it's an offer. So anyway, what 
<laughs> what? Well, yeah, look, come on then, let's go. Come on, look, we're, let's not mate, let's not be around the bush. What's what's next? What's next? That come is on. it, mate. That is it. Not for this episode, but that is it for our up top messages. Jake, honestly, mate, thank you so much in all seriousness for signing up. We really appreciate that. But that isn't where the news ends, because I can hear the chimes of Big Ben Kenobi in the background, which we know only means one thing, Master Blywalker. Mate, it must mean, it must mean it's Galactic News Round. StarWars.com has exclusively revealed that Star Wars Obi-Wan, a new five-issue comic miniseries, will launch in May. This series will be written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Ario Anindito. In a new interview with Esquire, Sebastian Stan has again refused to rule out rumours that he could play Luke Skywalker one day, saying, Never say never. Charles Soule promises upcoming comic book releases will give fans more background information on the Knights of Ren. And a permanent exhibition is to open later this year, explaining how the Millennium Falcon in The Empire Strikes Back came to be constructed from wood and steel by engineers in Pembroke Dock in South West Wales. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Now, we're all human, and we all need to relax in some way, shape, or form. And what better way to unwind than to the sound of some of the best music in the galaxy? Figuring Dan, Cy Snootles, Orodia, Ventafoli, Lulio Primark, Gaia... I'm sure you've all heard of them, renowned names in the galaxy, but they all pale in comparison to everyone's favourite, Ortolan, Max Rebo. So it's a pretty good deal that tonight we are joined by the man behind the Max, Simon J. Williamson himself. Sir, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for making the time to come on, uh, Simon. I have. I've made lots of time. I've I've created it with my bare hands, you know, <laughs> like a like a man creating a puppet. I've oh. just created the time for this. <laughs> well, well, hopefully you've created enough because what we haven't told our listeners is this is going to be the five hour Max Rubo special. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you guys get your drinks ready. Yeah. yeah. Keep, get your vodkas, get your beers, get your cup of teas <laughs> and you Americans. I don't know. What do Americans like? Coca-Cola, coffee, Fanta. Americanos. Americanos. Yeah. yeah I like that. I, I like that. I like that. Well, Simon, Max Rebo, Gamorrean Guards, Return of the Jedi, you were all there for it. But it was. At, at one time in the UK, before Star Wars was released, it was, of course, made in Elstree here in the UK. And a lot of the production crew thought that George Lucas was a crazy man making a crazy story. People thought, what is this nonsense? It's never going to be popular. No one's going to like it. And a few years later, they're back in London again, and they're making the third installment of the Star Wars original trilogy, and you were blessed enough to be part of that. Simon, how how did you first hear 
that you were going to be involved in uh, Return of the Jedi. And did you know that it was Star Wars at first or was it was it a bit of a mystery? Oh, oh, absolutely. I knew they were shooting the what was at that time the third Star Wars. And um, I don't think I made an approach, but I was kind of trying to work out to whom I could make an approach. <laughs> um, but they contacted me because um, some six months before, we'd completed shooting on the Dark Crystal yeah. at Elstree Ooh. Studios, the same place. Hugh Spite seems to think, although I don't recall it, that while we were shooting Dark Crystal, some of the Star Wars people came round and had a word with us or with him. But to my recollect recollection, I was just approached and said, do you want to be in Return of the Jedi? Which, of course, I'd been, you know, waiting for news on it and said, absolutely. And the wonderful thing about it is I didn't even have to audition. So they wow. took... They took a group of, I think it was four of us, um, people from Dark Crystal, puppeteers. Well, we were the we were the mime side of the puppeteers. There were the on Dark Crystal, made by Jim Henson. There were the regular Muppeteers who played the Skeksis, which were largely upright characters, and a group of, I think it's eight to ten of us. By the um, we played principally the mystics but also any other creatures. And these were creatures that essentially didn't often um, uh, go in line with the human body. So we were real creature characters. And so that yeah. was our skill set. And that's what they needed in part for um, Return of the Jedi, specifically the, the Jabba the Hutt sequence. So I was hired as a puppeteer along with Swee, Sweet Lim and Hugh Spite from um, Dark Crystal. And then um, later on, I think Mike Quinn and, and Tim Rose. So we were hired as puppeteers. But the work we did was mostly um, the kind of work I'd done on Dark Crystal, Crystal, which was essentially mime with a bit of sort of puppeteering on the end of it. Because as I said before, it's, it's creatures that don't conform to the human body in the way that the Skeksis did on Dark Crystal. So we had the mimes and the puppeteer creatures all on Jabba the Hutt's um, set. And what happened was they, they assigned a creature to you. <laughs> and they gave me one rather unappetizing-looking, purpley-brown, slug-like thing with six arms and six legs, which I wasn't very enamored of, but I got <laughs> on with it. We did a couple of takes or a couple of practices, and I think it was Richard Marquand, the director, who didn't really like this character very much, so kept on you know, shoving him out of shot. George Lucas kept on coming, said, no, let's put him back in. Anyway, in the <laughs> middle of this, Phil Tippett approached me, who made a lot of the creatures. <laughs> um, and I had worked before with the great Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, would you like to have a look at this character? And they took me up to the creature room, and there was this bright blue um, sawn-off elephant a two-legged elephant. And I just thought, absolutely, I would love to play him. <laughs> and so I was Max Rebo from that point. And I'm not sure 6-6, six, six, which was the purpley slug-like creature, ever made it into the film. Although I have a few stills 
pictures of the character. And I was Max Rebo mainly from that moment on. Um, apart from times when there were Gaborian guards as well. But obviously, due to the magic of movie, you can have a sequence and you can play several characters in the same sequence because it all depends on where the camera is pointed. So it points one way and shows Max Rebo, gives the reverse shot, and it's another day or the next day, and I'm in a Gamorrean guard costume. You know, I, I, had, my, I had my greedy fill of playing all these wonderful creatures. You are a greedy boy, Simon, because I not am. only are you the legend Max Rebo, but yeah, Jabnuck, <laughs> the, the Gamorrean that was eaten by the Rancor, that's yes. you as well. So when you see the Rancor chowing down, he's in fact eating Simon J. Williamson. Though so, uh, the, mag- the mo- magic of movies, he survived. I, I think he's eating a model. <laughs> and I think yeah. the stuntman did the first part of the fall, <laughs> but then I pick it up from being sort of on one knee mm-hmm. in the process of getting up and then turning to face um, Mark Hamill and then suddenly turning around and there's this huge... Um, well, a big blank wall, actually, big blank wall of the studio. And they said, it's this height and he's that big. <laughs> Look scared. Act, you know, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> Look as scared as possible. <laughs> they didn't, I have to say, they didn't really call me a, a tall. <laughs> just the kind of, it's, it's just my way of speaking. So, so, you know, you have to, you have to act. And it was, it was rather funny because at, at one point where I'm, just before I am grabbed by the rancor, I'm sort of on a slant trying to escape up a sort of pipe. And I was off balance by that point. So I'm in this massive Gamorrean guard costume. All my weight is on my stomach. So I'm on my, and I'm sort of flailing around. (laughs) And so I couldn't easily get up if I wanted to. So at the end of the take, I'd need to be helped up. But it suddenly struck me how ridiculous it was, you know, a grown man, as I've said before, playing a green pig, reacting to something that isn't there. And I'm aware that my Gamorrean guard foot is swiveling away and I think possibly falling off at this point. Because I, I wasn't sure, and I wasn't sure whether it was a wide shot at that point or a close-up or a medium shot. So I didn't know if the foot was in shot. But obviously, if it had been, <laughs> they would have cut. So I just carried on. And um, I'm chuckling away inside the Gamorrean guard costume. And, of course, it doesn't read because the costume is so thick. In order for you to act and have your movement read on screen – you have to move even even larger, have to give a larger movement to make it read as a small or medium movement. So I'm happily chuckling away there, but there's no kind of shaking shoulders or anything else like um, Muttley. Was Muttley in the Wacky Races? (laughs) That's right, yeah, it was Muttley. So I was was chuckling away like Muttley, but of course it doesn't show. The uh, consummate professional. You mentioned yeah. um, Richard Marquand, and it, I think it often gets overlooked who actually directed Return of the Jedi, and it was Richard Marquand. What, yes. was, it, what was it like working with him? Because I find that Richard is, again, this is going to sound odd to some is, but almost like the un- unsung hero of Return of the Jedi, because everyone talks about, of course, George's contribution. This is George's world. But what was yeah. it like working with Richard? We, never, we don't really hear the stories of Richard Marquand on set. He was quiet, mm-hmm. efficient. And got on with the job, not showy. Yep. 
if someone was a bit gram- grumpy, like say Harrison Ford, he kind of kept it all. You know, he he, could, he kept a a good calm ship, I would say. And um, reputedly, he was hired by George. One of the reasons he was hired was because he didn't do many takes. Right. So that's all. He's not a, so he's no Stanley Kubrick that would do thirty or forty 50 takes. takes. Yeah. So I think also, again, reputedly, because I'm never in the production office when these kind of things are discussed, they wanted to keep the budget down because on Empire Strikes Back, I think they got ripped off a bit by local hoteliers when they went on location. As soon as they heard it's a Star Wars film, they put all the prices up to double. So it's a little things, they just increased the price. So, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that doesn't surprise me. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many films are made with a code name nowadays. But you're you're talking, I find it so surreal that we have, I I was hearing something today, I was listening to a football show and someone on there was saying, man, the best job in the world is to be a footballer. The second best job in the world is to talk about football. I disagree. I think the best jobs in the world are the ones where you get to work on Star Wars and the second best ones are the ones where we get to talk about Star Wars. But for you, Simon, to work with these people, I find so surreal that you were amongst that. You were amongst such Hollywood history, cinematic history. Do you have any favorite memories of of working with these, I want to call them Star Wars big names, whether it's Richard Marquand, George, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any any favourite memories? Yeah, George, you see, George was very quiet, and mm. Richard Markwood was very quiet, and I think that's how George liked it, really. Um, so possibly George didn't want to be overshadowed, so he chooses a, uh, a director of a certain character. But <laughs> I, I really like I really liked um, Richard. There's a there's a shot, um, a, a picture I've seen a few times of Richard directing me as Max Rebo, and because I'm in, encased in thick rubber and mm. I hear with difficulty and can't see anything, I just often think, I wonder if he could hear and I could hear anything he said. If I was aware I was being directed, because there's a shot of him right at talking to Max. <laughs> I've seen that shot. I don't know. Yeah. Google search. Yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah. 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 I think I have. Well, Carrie kind of kept herself to herself, but I was, I was starstruck by, Actually, Paul Simon, who she was going out with visiting the set. <laughs> Simon and and Arthur, suddenly, yeah. suddenly there's a bloke with, I think, slightly receding hairline, long, dark hair, um, a Hawaiian shirt, sitting in Carrie Fisher's chair. You know, the canvas chairs you mm. have with your name on the back of your director stars. And I just thought, God, I know who's that? Who's that? I know the face. Oh, it's Paul Simon. So I was actually more starstruck by Paul Simon. <laughs> what? Than, than, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that Carrie Fisher was courting Paul Simon. I, I, I didn't I think know so. that. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but I, I think they did have a relationship or well, he certainly knew her. And I think it wasn't <laughs> just, just buddy buddies. Yeah. So That's I was more starstruck. If you're working with people, in a scene, you have a job to do, mm-hmm. an acting job in the loosest mm-hmm. terms. So you can't really be starstruck by people you're acting with. 
apart from a little bit beforehand, you know, you might. But once the scene starts, it, it's getting on with a bit of work. So soon mm. you don't you don't keep that balance of I'm down here and you're a major star up there, really. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And that's that's important. I think that's a professional mm. way to keep it. I think that's when the work comes out as genuine. And from what I've read and from what I hear is that the, the sets were fun. They were good fun to be on. There was a good vibe. It, I, I mean, it looks like fun. And I know it was a lot of hard work too. General question, Simon, was it good fun to work on this, to do this? I remember it as fun. And I remember it as being fun on a slightly different level than Dark Crystal, mm -hmm. because on Dark Crystal, our status as performers that I've talked with about before, the Muppeteers playing the Skeksis, they could get in and out of their costumes a lot quicker. And they were the regular Muppeteers. So there was a slight status imbalance between the, the Skeksis performers and the rest of us. I think, but not, not a huge one. Um, so, yeah, but it was, it was fun. But it was, it was also, I was also on Dark Crystal for a long, long time. It wasn't just the shooting. There was six months of preparation before mm. that. And some of, the, some of the mechanisms to control the mystics were crippling. So there was a lot of pain and trial and error before we actually got to shoot. And then there were days when we weren't doing much. So you have boring days on set, whereas on Return of the Jedi, I seem to think we were it's on it for, for, long, for less time. Um, there were less, was less downtime. We were kind of busier. Yeah. Mm. And actually playing something like a Gamorrean guard is less intricate than any of the characters on Dark Crystal. Right. Because mm -hmm. there's a slight without being disparaging at all, there's a slight cartoony element to the Gamorrean guards. They have to walk in a certain way. It's rather sort of brutal. They have to rock from side to side in a certain way. Yeah. And also Max Rebo, for example, has a kind of comic feel to him. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's more fun sometimes to be able to relax and not to be hyper real in the way that yeah. Dark Crystal was really about being, making sure these creatures were absolutely real. Yeah. And I think while, while we were rehearsing, there was a tendency for the Muppeteers to, in relaxing moments, to, to revert to sort of Muppet-like movement, <laughs> which is kind of walking along, you know, and then looking at the camera and zooming off quickly. It's kind of... <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and the whole feel of Dark Crystal was about mm. make it not Muppet movement, yes. make it real character movement yeah so that's a long kind of rambling answer to uh ah, it's a good answer with about yeah working with big names on the set we're here for that man i mean uh harrison harrison ford um there's a bit where han solo is is shoved up before jabba the bit yeah. before carrie fisher is licked by jabba nice. what an erotic scene that is anyway <laughs> So I was one of the Gamorrean guards holding his shoulder. And because of the mechanism on the Gamorrean guard hand, I couldn't grip tightly. And he said, can you grip me tightly when I struggle? I said, I can't because, you <laughs> know, the, the fingers will go. And he says, no, but just hold on and I'll, I'll do it. So he did. It's his shoulder moving. It's like the principle of um, grabbing someone's hair um, 
in a fight sequence and what you grab their hair they grab your hand so they hold your hand close to your skull and then you can move around as much Mm -hmm. as you like and it looks as if they're pulling you by the hair which Mm -hmm. would be really painful to do but so it's a bit like that that the person being pushed is actually doing the movement and the person doing the pushing in this case me is kind of hanging on right wow and Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill was just so nice and polite. You know, I just remember he came as he said, he said, oh, it's such it's he made it feel as if a really it was a privilege for him to be working with us. And he nice. was talking about people in the cast who were working with the Royal Shakespeare Company or the National Theatre. Um, so I thought that's nice of him, you know. He comes across as a nice chap, does Mark Hamill, and I'm sure yeah. Harrison is as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think. Harrison gets the bum rap sometimes for being a bit grumpy. I've referred to it myself there, but it's because he's, um, he's a perfectionist. And mm-hmm. if it's you on a massive screen, you can't, you have to be fully concentrated. You don't want anything going wrong. You've got no, so you, you, you're safeguarding your own image and your future work. So if there's a take where you think it's not good enough, you know, you bravely have to say, sorry, another, I need another take for me. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. Um, yeah. well, I was just thinking, cause you've obviously come off of the dark crystal and, uh, I, I imagine a lot of our listeners will have seen or heard of the dark crystal, even if it's the newer Netflix iteration. So they'll mm. know the vibe. Anybody else I would have asked, what was it like sitting in Jabba's palace dressed up as a blue elephant when you've got all these other crazy creatures around? But I guess the dark crystal probably set you up for that, but. With Max Rebo, did you know he was a musician? And how did you how did you kind of approach playing this character? What what instructions were you given, or were you just told, "Look, sit in this sit in this like ring uh, and just play"? Yeah, well, you know, you're sitting in the middle of a massive organ with pedals that depress yeah. that with your you know you press them down. Now they gave me some tape of some music which I listened to the night before. And then the next day it comes out on playback and I was familiar with the music. So I basically know where ish to move my, move my fingers. So it's all, it's all, it's all playback as they call it. So it's not live playing on set, not me playing the music. It's all played in, which is probably a guide track. And later on you dub the proper music over the top. But so there's a guide track so that everyone in the scene is reacting to the way the music should be. And does Max Rebo play with his hands or feet? This is a question that's plagued fandom. What, what appendage is he playing with? Hands, feet? What's he on? Definitely plays with his feet. Mm-hmm. And, he does, oh. and he doesn't have arms or fingers. Mm-hmm. He plays with his legs and toes. And that's what I saw in the character when they showed it to me. Wow. And then, and then when, you know, I'm delighted when they start producing little merchandise and little models of Max Rebo. And then there's this four limbed creature. I was so disappointed. <laughs> so, you know, so <laughs> that's not our Rebo. Yeah. Well, it's, it's huge though, isn't it? It has become an icon of the original Star Wars trilogy. It's become so recognizable, whether it is through merchandise, yeah. through Lego figures. I mean, Simon, have you seen, are uh, you looking? I can see you're looking to I've see. Got, uh, I've, got got a, a little I've got bit. a load of Max Rebo things on the top of yes. a mirror up there. <laughs> have you seen how much a Max Rebo Lego figure goes for on the internet nowadays? No. How much? 
I mean, you're looking at anywhere between 50 to over a hundred pounds and more. I mean, there's one, I, I saw thought, one I just thought now. you were going to talk serious money there, man. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about a small Lego figure here, guys. Yeah. This is tiny, tiny. Yeah. But I think there are certain versions of it. Our boy, uh, one of our uh, loyal listeners who is local to us, his name is Johnny Olif. He loves Max Rebo. He has Max Rebo t-shirt. Did you say Johnny Ola? Johnny Olif. Oh, right. Okay. Because there's a character <laughs> in, I think, uh, Brian De Palma's Scarface called Johnny Ola. He's a gangster. He is a gangster, but it's a yeah. different one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say Johnny Olif is a huge gangster. A massive right. Rebo fan. But he is a huge Rebo fan. And it was only the other day he shared with us with our little community that listens to our show um, on, on, a, on a big chat that we have on a forum. He was like, guys, I'm on eBay. Should I go for this Max Rebo figurine? And it's this Max Rebo playing his instrument and he's uh, bought it. It's there. It's, it's sitting proudly in his home right now. Well, I mean, what did you at that time? Because you, it's interesting that earlier you, t- you said you were taken upstairs or into a room and you, you saw the elephant looking alien and you were like, yeah that's the one that's my guy mm. at that time did you think man this thing is going to be so recognizable there are going to be factories around the world creating mm. toys and merchandise with this guy on it did you have any idea it'd be this popular no because at that stage dark crystal wasn't even out mm-hmm so I didn't know what expectations beyond doing the work and being proud of it. And I've always, throughout acting, when I started, always liked doing very physical things. So the satisfaction of doing a job well, that's all I thought about. And I thought, yep. of course, oh, this if it's famous, I might get asked to do something else in the way that being invited to, to work on Return of the Jedi was being asked to do something else from having done Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I didn't No, I didn't really think it would have that much impact. And also in the credits, it didn't it didn't list all the characters people played. So I was in a list of puppeteers, a list of names as puppeteers. Right. And there was a list underneath of the mimes and it didn't go into detail. But I just thought, well, I will know. I'm that blue elephantine character. And there was a, there was a film magazine that came out, not, not sci-fi magazine, um, but just a general film magazine. Quite an intellectual one, I think, all sorts of BFI articles. And on the front cover was a lovely still shot of Max Rebo. So I got that and I think, oh, that's for my personal scrapbook. That's great. Oh, wonderful. Not many of those, you know, sort of a rare occurrence. And now these days, having travelled the world, signing my autograph many thousands of times on those pictures, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to kind of remember that impact. You know, the kind of pride of having that photograph on the front page. Yeah, of course. And then actually finding he's called Max Rebo. Was, that, well, was he not that. called that to start with? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he was. Certainly while we were shooting. And I thought, oh, they've decided to call him Max Rebo. Okay. He was called Red Bull Jet. Red Bull Jet? Yeah. Max Red... Rebo rolls off the tongue a bit better than that. Whoa! And that, and that afterwards, 
it becomes it's Max Rebo is playing the Red Bull Jet organ. organ. Yeah. The organ is called the Red Bull Jet, but on set it was Red Bull Jet. So I think there's a there's a book I got as well, a little kind of paperback about the making of Return of the Jedi. So flick through it to see mentions of me, etc. And there was a, a telegram from Stuart Ziff back to Lucasfilm in California saying um, Red Bull Jet looking fantastic, you know, day three mm. of shooting, whatever. And so that was, you know, certainly at that stage, he was called Red Bull Jet. Wow. And I thought, do I like the name Max Rebo? And I thought, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I quite like it. Yeah. Changed your name by Depot, right? Yeah. <laughs> that day you were like, right, that's it. Oh, that's it to the yeah, family. He, um, Going down the passport office. Yeah, I think it's probably changing his name to flee people he was uh, indebted to. You well, know. he's uh, he's been in a bit of trouble. He's he's escaped a sail barge destruction. He's a, so he's a bit of a he's a bit well of done. a scallywag, I think. And, yeah. He is. We want to know how he how he knew that that barge was going to blow up. So, yeah. Simon, if, if you've got any insight intel there, we'd love to know. But um, <laughs> you've, ta- you've 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 said, you've said about taking Max Rebo, well, taking yourself around the world and signing. Yes, that's because um, that's because there's a, a Star Wars convention circuit. Oh, there's plenty of conventions, isn't there? Yeah. Which is, for yeah. us fans, it's great because we then get to interact with those cast and crew who have worked on our film. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a bit slim on the ground in the last couple of years, obviously, because <laughs> of years. COVID. But I've done two two events post-COVID. Nice. And how, are you, how do you find speaking to meeting fans who, who love this character? Now, what does it mean to you who's brought this character to life and now 40-odd years later... People are still excited to talk about it. The character talk to you about it. Yeah. How you? How does it mean to you? Well, the the, the forty years later bit is a bit sobering, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is it is gratifying because you know they come to you and they're genuinely interested. So there's nothing worse than kind of being there with your table of photographs and it's quiet and it's it's yeah. it's it's quite exhausting actually. Not mm. talking to people. Yeah. You know, you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen. Then you think, oh, okay, this is, this is the day where nobody wants my autograph or only five people want my autograph all day. And I'm here for two days. So tomorrow is going to be really grim. But yes, it's, ne- it's never, never been like that. Sometimes if it starts slowly. But yeah, it's when you have a, when you have a little, when you have a little queue of people, it's actually quite nice. And it can be quite competitive. If you've got a queue of people and you look over to your left, or your right, and, you, you know, your compatriots don't have a queue, you think, <laughs> oh, that's great. I like this. <laughs> that's natural, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. And there's plenty of those conventions, especially the Star Wars celebration ones, the, the, the official Star yes. Wars conventions. Yeah. I think... You've been to one of those? I think I, I saw an old video on YouTube of you at the one in Germany. Yeah, right? yeah. The celebra- I think I've been to the la- all the last Celebration Europe's, three of them I've been to, and I've been to two celebrations in the States, but not for something over 10 years, I think. So it's about time they invited me back. So any, yeah. anybody from Lucasfilm or Reed uh, organizers, I am, I'm up for another visit this coming year, 22. 
<laughs> we're convinced they're listening we are convinced they are listening yeah. simon so we'll, yeah. we'll try and make that happen yeah now have you seen because there is a lot of star wars content that comes out nowadays uh matty boy and i we grew up with the prequel trilogy the stuff that came out in the 90s and the noughties oh, right yeah uh, and, and and we're now experiencing this new wave of star wars films now it's owned by disney there is a series that's come out recently. It uh, premiered in December, The Book of Boba Fett. Have you, yeah. have you seen that, right? No, I, I haven't. And the reason is I'm not currently subscribed to Disney+. Plus. Right. I'm not one of these people that goes and likes to download things with bit torrents, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, kind of illegal downloads that appear and disappear. I don't like doing that. Um, uh, but rather like when dark crystal the series came out i didn't subscribe to netflix and so when it when it did come out that was the thing that made me subscribe to netflix um so also also for the last two or three months i've been um i'm in bafta the british academy of (laughs) film and television arts and we vote every year on the best films and it means really we should be lot watching a lot of films (laughs) and so I've got through about 200 in the last three months. Ooh. Yeah. Some of them I didn't watch all the way through because I'd start <laughs> and I'd think, well, nope. I'm sorry, but this is not going to get my vote. Yep. So, right. but I've kind of worked my way through. It's not too, no, it's 200. We should watch. I've watched about 120. I counted Only. it the other day. So I've been rather busy on that. So I thought, well, we've got the final round to vote on in the next couple of weeks. So, I might want to watch some of those. Uh, and then and then maybe in a couple of months, I will actually subscribe to Disney Plus and I'll <laughs> yeah, finally need catch to. up with the Book of Boba Fett. And the question I think you're going to ask is, what do I think of the Max Rebo that appeared? Ah, so, you know about it. Well, yes. You know about it. I am on it. Facebook, okay. so I do get sent things. Um, okay. I've, seen, I've seen a tiny bit of footage, but mostly yep. stills. And I look at the stills and the footage and I have to say, he ain't my Max Rebo, baby. Oh, he no. no he's, not, he's not. He's To me, he's, yeah, he's, he doesn't quite work. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not the same? It's not just because they didn't ask me to do it. How dare they? I was going to say, not, were you not I'm approached still, at all? No, no. My, I think they, filmed, they would have filmed these in America. Yeah, yeah, these ones, yeah, the series, right. so that, yeah. Book of Bob- yeah. Bobas in Los Angeles. Yeah, and it was shot a lot of it during COVID, too. Yeah. yeah. So even if they wanted to get you out, they probably couldn't have. They could have approached. They could have approached, I think. I would have. <laughs> nice you know, to be asked. I would, have, I would have liked to be asked, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he looks a bit, there's a couple of shots, he looks a bit like a balloon. <laughs> so I'm being a bit rude here, aren't I? After You know. No, the no. new Max Rebo, as opposed to my classic one, as I regard it, um, the one I very much regard as my own. So, of course, I'm very proprietorial about the character. Of course, you know, to bring yeah. it to the big screen, as yeah, you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Does it make you feel at all good that they're still continuing with the legacy of this character? Because he could, because it probably could have been quite easy to let Max have his time in the sun in '83 and think, right, we'll uh, we'll get a new musician in. But the fact that they're yeah. continuing at what you started. Yeah, uh, it's difficult to say because I was kind of disappointed with the look of him. Mm -hmm. The the head is too round. It's too much like an elephant. It's yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as good as the original, I have to say. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not as a puppet, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. Mm. And and the and the Gamorian guards as well. I'm thinking, well, they're too skinny. Yeah, right. You're not the only one yeah. who said that. Yeah, but uh, some people are saying that. Well, it's a, it's a conscious decision that these Gamorians are just buff because they're healthy and they're, they're in they're in good shape. Whereas Jabba's Gamorians were just sitting around going to the McDonald's drive-through every uh, every other night, you know, feasting on a Big Mac or or five. I don't know. There's probably yeah. some in-universe reasons for it, but I think that's justification after the fact of them appearing. They say, "Oh, it's because this," but yeah, it, well, somebody somebody made the decision to make them skinny. I think they wanted that in the Mandalorian, didn't they? Want a, they wanted a kind of fight between them. So, yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, very I think, true. I think they should get some stouter ones back on the scene as well. Now, would you be would you be happy to do more Star Wars stuff if they did approach you? Because they make the stuff over here in the UK to a lot of the films, the series. I would love would you it. be open to that. I would yeah. love it. In fact, I I approached um, Neil Scanlon. Yeah. At the yeah. end of um, Rise of Skywalker, a screening mm. of that, and I point out who he was, and he said, "Oh, we'll bring, have to bring you into the shop one day." And I nice. sent emails reminding him, and I never got the invitation. But I, th- I think now he has such a a group of puppeteers around him that he's used before that it's difficult for anyone to come back into the fold. And as we said at the beginning, it is forty years later, so he wasn't around so much with. Uh, 40 years ago mm-hmm. um now different people in charge it's running a different you know it's sort of you you lose track over this degree of time with people who are in power to hire and fire so it's natural that they go off and do their own version etc so but yeah I, I i like the i would like the idea of some kind of cameo or something like that in the way that jeremy bullock was you know as well as playing Boba Fett, he plays real human in it. In one of them, can't yeah. remember which one. There he is. So. Empire Strikes Back. He played a uh, yeah. an officer in that as well. But uh, I mean, we'd love to see you back in Star Wars. Let's say that now. So hopefully, if Neil will be listening, reply to those emails. Yeah, well, you yeah, ha- you've yeah. got your you've you've carved out your your character though, which carved is something to be excited about. But but because I also played Gamorrean guards and mm. I puppeteered the eye blinks on Nine Numb. Nine Numb. And there were a couple of characters when we'd be shooting Nine Numb. I think we shot over a couple of days. Um, as soon as we did Nine Numb, we got back in the same kind of cockpit and shot Ten Numb. <laughs> and then we we did a That's character right. which we called Ernie Akbar. So Mike and Tim Rose and myself were there for a couple of days, I think, on one of the one of the smaller stages. And uh, as Mike reminded me, George Lucas directed that, which I'd forgotten about. Forgetting that George, just forgetting that George Lucas directed that part. Mm, yeah, <laughs> with. Return of the Jedi and all of all of the characters you worked on, all the people you worked with, and the moments you got to be a part of, put you on the spot. Now, what's the kind of what's your favourite moment of working on that set? Whether it was working with someone or was it maybe a, mm. a, a blooper or something? But what's the kind of mm. one thing which you take away that's always going to be with you? Good question. It's it's difficult to pick one. It mm. really is. We'll have them all then. So I'll pick three. Yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
when I decided that Mac Re- Max Rebo should beat in the band with his fingers. Oh, no, actually, two most that, that and, and also blocking his eyes from the thermonuclear detonator. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I thought, to me, because, as I said, this is a character who doesn't have hands. So he's blocking <laughs> his eyes with his feet. I just thought, oh, this is such a good gag. I'll just, I'll do it, and they'll see if they see if they like it. And yeah, obviously, it did it stayed in the movie, and also <laughs> beating in the time because I didn't get a lot of Max Max Rebo direction, mm-hmm. or if I did, as I said before, and Richard Marquand was giving me great pearls of wisdom, um, I didn't hear them. <laughs> 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 and the other thing is because I couldn't see anything, I had to kind of in my head orientate myself with where I was looking on set, the direction I, I was looking. Mm-hmm. So there could have been takes where I'm looking completely in the wrong direction for all I know. Doesn't come across. You come across yeah. Max Rebo comes across as the most vital character yeah. in Return good, of the good. Jedi. And he Without is- that music you wouldn't have, they wouldn't have set up that that entire scene where everyone's having a dance and um in the lead up to Jabnut getting eaten before yeah. Yeah, uh, the rancor would die. So, but no, honestly, I love hearing behind the scenes stories and just just the stories of like, Richard Marquand sh- shouting in your ear was mm. has made <laughs> has made my evening because I know the picture you're talking about. But um, yeah. I've always wanted to know what it was like working with Richard, and uh, it's just lovely to hear mm. your memories and your thoughts of working at, with him. On Sadly, the he only made a couple of other films after that. I'm not quite sure what he died of. I suspect as he was comparatively young, it would have been a cancer of some sort. Yeah. So he made, he made a very short, a small, a small film in France called something like until September with Karen Allen Mm -hmm. from Raiders. And then he did a film that was a bit of a disaster called Hearts of Fire. I've heard of with, with, I think it was Rupert Everett as a musician had Bob Dylan in it <laughs> and uh, an, a young leading actress called, I can't remember now. can't remember now. Um, yeah. And that, that didn't do very well. It was a bit of a disaster. So he was, I think Richard Marquand was, was taken from us too suddenly, really. Yes. I think he would have gone on and made a lot of good films. He did before mm-hmm. uh, he did a spy thriller called, I want to say the key to Rebecca. Could that be right? And it was showing in Leicester Square in the centre of town um, the week I got hired to work on Return of the Jedi. So I went along thinking, well, I'll I'll have a look. I'll have a look at this director, what he's like, (laughs) even though if it was terrible, I still would have loved to be in a Star Wars film. (laughs) I would have gone ahead. You would have flattered him anyway. Yeah. I I have actually one last question, and it is it is a bit of a random one. Um, but whenever I do watch Return of the Jedi and Jabba's Palace, it probably is just because I'm thinking, well, they're on Tatooine, and you know, as a kid, I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, well, this is all real, isn't it? It's not make believe. I'm actually watching real life here. It did not look hot in Jabba's Palace. It looks really warm was it warm filming it was it super hot being in that suit because i think the guys who did jabber's suit they said they got really hot filming those scenes right oh yeah yeah it's hot it's hot on the set but it's even hotter inside the costume and most of them most of them were made of uh, a rather thick rubber yeah and it was thicker and hotter 
than anything that Jim Henson's company had on mm-hmm. Dark Crystal, because I, I think, I think the Henson wanted to keep their their ingredient for their special type of foam a secret. So obviously, on Jedi, they were working without the benefit of this research that the Hensons had done. So yeah, it's yeah, it's rubber and it's it's really quite thick and quite hot. And if if the costume is close on you and you're in it for a while, then it's it's pretty uncomfortably hot. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I'd last two minutes in that at all. As you mentioned that uh, you said you don't you didn't think you would last. Well, with the Gamorrean guards, we'd heard that the ex they put extras in the Gamorrean yep. guards for the first couple of scenes and they were really wilting on set. I think one or, one or two of them had fainted even. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Spite and I got to hear of it. And we said, listen, we worked on Dark Crystal. We're kind of trained to do this. Can we show you what we do? And so we got in Gamorrean guard costumes and we put on a little show. You know, we did some acting, running up to Howard Kazanjian and frightening, intimidating him <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and from that point onwards, um, Hugh and I were the go-to Gamorrean guards whenever they needed just two. Wow. Sequences later where they had three or four. Mm-hmm. You guys are the OG, uh, yeah, yeah. so... Obviously, you were you graced us in Return of the Jedi, and I know that is possibly Luke's favourite, certainly Luke's comfort Star Wars film is Return of yep. the Jedi. Out of yep. all the films that have been released in Star Wars, last question for me, which one is your favourite? Well, it's got to be Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you know, that's the one. Yes, you know. it. It is. We have a saying here. We say it's the feel-good film of the year every single year. Yeah. It's just, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It never fails to put a smile on our face. I think it is. It has like every single film in the world. It has its issues. Yeah. But it, it, it fills me with such warmth and hope by the end of it. I, do, I think it is one of the best endings to a film trilogy ever, ever. And I adore it. And Simon, for you to be part of that history, not just a little bit, but a big bit. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so incredible. But that sequence you're talking about, the Ewok village, when I'd got the job and mm. they said, come down, come down to Ells Tree, meet a guy called Stuart Ziff. He'll take you around. So I went round and all the time Stuart Ziff was saying, well, if you, if you, if you get on the movie, we're on this stage, come, come through to this stage. And it was the, the giant redwoods of the Ewok village, yeah. which is yep. truly, imp- I mean, it's one of the, most brilliant sets i've ever seen uh, apart from the opening opening day and the opening sequence in dark crystal the mystic valley was tremendous but this one as well i go on we go from stage to stage and people say oh hi i say many you on this i said yeah i think so and after (laughs) a while Stuart zeff having thought i wasn't necessarily on it yet i wasn't hired said oh i I guess you are on it then (laughs) quite funny amazing amazing but you must like the ewoks then i i yes. no i like them yeah and i i because i grew up with it yeah. so as, as a kid as a kid i'm not i'm not sitting there going oh i hate Ewok. like i just thought well they're part of the canon they're part of the yeah. story yeah. i have no opinion on them 
it's fact yeah. it's there you know it's 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 just one of those things i know that there were a lot of adults that disliked them more for kids and mm. i also think if you're a teenager of a certain age you wouldn't want to admit to liking something yeah. too cute <laughs> yeah, so yeah i can imagine lots of oh i don't like the ewoks that they're teddy bears they're cute you know so but yeah it is part it is all part of a wonderful a wonderful film and a wonderful series of films and yes. there's a lot of i noticed there's a lot of there's a lot of hate online line for some of the newer films that have come out you think mm-hmm. well yeah it's it's good that people are passionate about what they think is their star wars the fact that they take ownership of it in this way but yeah, I think I think some of it's unnecessary. You know, there can be things you don't like as much, but I would say you just got to got to like all of Star Wars really, and not be too disappointed that think in things that aren't don't go quite the way you would want or expect. Spot on. We've Wise heard from words. Max Rebo, Dubnub himself. Mm. Just be kind. Just enjoy Star Wars, <laughs> and just, yeah, just be nice to each other. But no, that is a fabulous way to wrap up the interview, and uh, I, I certainly hope the world can take those words on board because it's a wonderful fandom, as you all know firsthand from meeting so many people around the world. And let's just let's embrace love, Luke. Let's embrace it. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Celebrate the love. Yeah. Celebrate the love. Thank you so much, Simon. <laughs> My pleasure. And it, this has been fantastic. Max Rebo forever. Cheers. Thank you very much. This is Patrick Schneider, Senior Brand Manager for Hasbro Star Wars Fan Business. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions, possibly Britain's spiciest Star Wars show. (laughs) Goodbye. Let's go! It ain't no party like a Max Rebo party. Simon J. Williamson, thank you so much for coming on, giving your time. It was an absolute blast to uh, find out what was going on behind the Max. I'm sure you'll agree, Lukey boy. Oh, mate, that was just pure filth, wasn't it? I mean, it's always good fun talking to anyone involved in Star Wars, but to talk to someone who's there in the 1980s making Return of the Jedi, oh, my word. I tell you something, mate, it's made me, it's made me pretty thirsty. Yeah, you're thirsty, you know. Well, it's a good old thing that the Essex Falcon has pulled up outside of our favourite dusty drinking hole, the Bantina. The question remains, Luke, shall we? Ah, let's do it, mate. Can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? A libation, can I persuade you to join us for a drink? I'm free. Give me the spiciest drink you got. Pour me another Park Kellen sling. Where are you going, master? For a drink? Yes, here we are. For those new and old, here in the Bantina, we sit down with the greatest listeners in the galaxy, which is all of you, and we have a few Kef beers, and we get your thoughts on our main discussion. This week, as you've just heard, we spoke with Simon J. Williamson, so we asked you what question you would ask the galactic music sensation max rebo if you had the chance yeah and we got some crazy answers matty boy so these are all questions that these beautiful people would ask max mark newbold Newbold, the king of the sausage roll asks this 
Can he play the 7-inch or 12-inch version of Blue Monday by New Order? And does it go down well in Mos Espa? Um, I'm going to answer this on behalf of Rebo. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, Destination Hoth asked, are you able to play Vader's many prosthetic parts by Hako Draslip and the Tootle Fruits? Fruits. We hear it's a very controversial and dangerous song to play. Now... I had to ask Matty Boy about this. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> what on earth is going on with this uh, question, mate? You know, don't you, man? It is. I'm such a dork that when this came through, I was I was politely clapping like the Leo DiCaprio meme. You know, I was showing my appreciation for this one. Vader's Many Prophetic Parts was a song which was first mentioned in the Air to the Jedi canon novel, which was um, one of the earlier uh, releases in the Disney Lucasfilm era. And this song was, it was released in the galaxy and universe and was immediately banned uh, and classed as contraband. And the singers, Hako Draslip and the Tootle Fruits, were sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel, where they lasted not by the Empire because of treason. And of course, they were very quickly ground down, literally into dust, and were killed for uh, daring to blaspheme against his, his lord, Lord and Darkness Darth Vader. Right, well, there we go. Um, that is, is a good show. I don't know if Rebo would would risk it, to be honest. I don't know if he'd risk, risk it for a chocolate biscuit. He'd, he'd, he's like Ross Kemp. He'd get a bit frightened and he'd get out of there. We've seen him yeah. in the Sail Bar Disaster and Fwip Sanctuary. He knows when danger's coming and he hightails it. I don't get nervous, but I'm starting to feel a bit... Really. <laughs> a bit frightened, so I got out of there. <laughs> oh, right, oh, Hyperspace Heroes podcast said, we know... <laughs> We know who you really are. Doug, why don't you just fess up and tell us why you left your twin brother Max to perish on the cell barge? Was it jealousy because he got all the fame? Garza helped you get away with it too, didn't she? Hashtag Doug Rebo. Mate, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there is only one Max. No, we're, we're getting into conspiracy theories now that the real Max died and his twin brother has taken over the mantle. Um, yeah, getting some filthy that would have been a quite a fun one to ask but we're getting some awesome answers we get, yeah, we, we, we've gone from real world to deep cuts to conspiracies yeah. how many times we've got to say guys we're a non-political podcast how many times we've got to say yeah come on <laughs> yeah, come yeah on. guys sticking this stuff in there um, oh. no we got moving on to Emily Bonner she said it's going to involve an interrogation room a single light bulb swinging from the ceiling and a good cop bad cop team up with a friend but I'd ask where were you the night of the attack on Garza's sanctuary? People thinking that Max had something to do with this. Come on, guys. Um, Kingdom of Weird said, I'd ask if he was in any way involved in the terrorist acts that he was fortunate to narrowly avoid both times. Hashtag suspicious. Ginerso, uh, mm. the Queen, asked, does he think he has a bigger groupie base in figuring Dan and the modal nodes? He's a popular dude. Dark mm. Lord of the Seth said, can you get me a date with Sy Snootles? Mate, join the queue. And finally, Pilpertine would simply ask, well, for his autograph, obviously. And who wouldn't want an autograph? He's got no hands, but who wouldn't want Max Rebo's autograph? I mean, this is the thing. He's got no hands. So Lego, sort it out. <laughs> Lego, hands, no, yeah. I see where you're going oh, with this. Yeah. Very good. Unintentional, but yes, very good. <laughs> <laughs> the puns are flowing out of us. So uh, we've got so many... Uh, people questions 
that people wanted to ask Rebo. I think Lucasfilm underestimate the um, popularity of Max Rebo because we've got some fabulous questions. If we didn't get through to your question or voice message, please do continue to send them in and we'll do everything we can to get you featured on a future edition of The Bantina. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. Yes, that's right. It is the spiciest part of the Budabot Bantuna. And it is the Patreon questions. So our patrons, some of them, get to ask a question every single month. Um, Matty Boy, are you ready for the filth? Oh, <laughs> as ever, hit me. Okay, we got some crazy questions this week. First, we are starting with Scott Fisher. He asked this. Hi guys, my question this month is to do the most is to do with most of the Disney Plus shows, the likes of Mando, the Book of Boba Fett, and the upcoming Ahsoka series. Do you think that since Star Wars has gone towards these streamable TV series instead of instead of movies, as the sequel trilogy had a mixed reception, that the focus has become more heavy on world and universe building? I feel these shows have taken on the MCU aspect of having everything heavily intertwined with one another, as these shows are crossing with one another very much. Do you guys, what do you guys think, Essex clone? Um, Scott, great question. Matty boy, what you saying there, mate? Yeah. That's what nice I'm saying. Is, right, yeah. On, on to the next question. <laughs> Moving on. Right, we've got one. No, Scotty, but that's a great question. And no, I think you're right. The And it comes down to the fact that uh, streaming series have a longer form uh, chance, longer long form narrative, sorry. They can stretch their story out uh, over 8, 10, 12 episodes, and the pacing is different. There's always a different tone. Whereas in a film, you have two and a half hours or two hours, start, middle, end. You have to wrap it up in that two and a half hours, which is, you know, maybe four or five episodes of a TV series. But even then, they're still paced yeah. differently. Um, so yeah. you've got that to look at. So the sequel to the yeah had three films to do it in. Let's you know we know what happened there. Fine, whatever. Um, but for the TV series, yeah, I think they are. I think they are now using this as a way of opening up and expanding the universe. Luke and I have both spoken on air about how we'd love to see new terrains, new biomes, new planets. You know, pretty much mm-hmm. new everything. You know, keep, keep, if, if they can keep it with that kind of core Star Wars feeling, great. But if not let's make new star wars things yeah <laughs> i don't think it's not it's not going to be a crime so i think that they are doing that in, that includes the mods in the book of boba fett in the mandalorian we've seen a couple of like city only quickly but we've seen like city or like urban areas which you haven't really seen in the films for the last few years so i think they are in terms of actual world building but in uh, but also these stories you know they're crossing the streams boba and mando they are they are intertwined heavily. You've got to imagine that Ahsoka is going to play into this somehow. And if there are any other shows, maybe not Kenobi, that's too far back. But if they decide to release more spin-off shows in this era, they're going to uh, they're going to connect with each other. That's going to then uh, expand on the world and the characters. They, look, they're giving us more Luke Skywalker. They're building the legend of Luke Skywalker. They're just starting with Grogu, who's now been in the Bad Batch and Mando. Who not the Bad Batch? Book of Boba Fett. Rumours are he may be in the Bad Batch, so 
we can even throw that in as well things like the bad batch that is being used to expand possibly the sequel trilogy and the cloning aspect of it so yeah i think it's very mm. very smart the mcu's doing that as well with their shows they're almost mm. becoming required viewing with the films because you get little hints and nuggets i have no issue yep. with star wars doing that because yep. i'm going to watch all of them so yeah i think they're using all of their uh, streaming series not just live action to flesh out the world and if you ask me mate it is the best thing to do they're not going to give us six movies a year use use my knowledge i beg you use these streaming series they're there perfect way to uh expand the expand the law plus give us some entertaining live action or animated stuff at the same time it's perfect yes yeah yeah i i'm i'm gonna agree with matty boy and with you scott i think with with anything that john favreau and dave filoni are involved with scott i think there is going to be some cohesion some crossovers everything is going to be connected and i think that's a good thing when you're telling this kind of vast story that let's be honest it really suits television Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it suits television and george lucas i think he kind of almost envisioned star wars as being this tv serial but it wasn't it was a film but it really suited that and I, I think we're living in a great time for this crossover. And I'll be honest with you, Scott, I think it's something that you can indeed look at Marvel and go, they are killing it in that regard. Yeah. Right? And I've, I've been critical of Marvel in some aspects. Not all of it. Mm-hmm. I know it comes across like that sometimes. <laughs> but you've got to give oh, credit no. where credit... You've got to give credit. Because, again, I want to put it out there. I do actually enjoy Marvel. I do go see the <laughs> films. Does. I watch he the does. shows, right? You know, I had the comic books when I was a kid. But you've got to credit where credit's due. They mm-hmm. are killing it with the yeah. planning, the connections. They're, they're doing a fantastic job. And I, w- I really wouldn't be surprised if the powers that be at Disney, Lucasfilm, and, and beyond and below said what they're doing over at Marvel, we need something like that. Not necessarily with the films. I don't think that is the course to take. I think that would be a mistake. But with the TV shows, I think it makes a lot more sense. I think it makes a lot more sense. Planning in general, Scott. Planning in general is the way to go. And even with what we've seen in Book of Boba Fett, what we're, what we're, what we're seeing take place and what's, what's being suggested in them suggests in itself and implies that there was planning mm-hmm. there was yeah. planning and it's great to see that and that's refreshing to see a star wars fan so yes scotty boy i think that is exactly the case fantastic question what question to open this section what up king. with eh? what mm. a king mm. is it f- f- fail to prepare to prepare to fail i think that's the that's it the yeah. lukey boy knows me neurotically admin um, doing all the admin in the background because I just can't help myself. Uh, yeah, you've got to be prepared, guys. Failing to plan, failing to plan is uh, planning to fail. I like the way you said that, my friend. Something and like I, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take that and I'm going to move on then to our next question, Scotty boy. Thank you very much, mate. Everyone in the galaxy who's listening, we want you to answer these as well. Let us know your thoughts on this. But our next one comes from Matilda Backland, and she said. I was having a conversation with my seven-year-old son a while ago, and all of a sudden he drops a comment along the lines of, I think that Ahsoka looks more real in animation than in live action. So our question is, 
Does Ahsoka look better aesthetically and more real in her animated design than in live action with makeup and prosthetics? May the fast be with you. Love heart, Queen Matilda of Sweden. Well, we're going to send that love heart right back to you in the best possible way, Matilda. Thank you for this. So, Lukey boy, Matilda's little lad is watching Book of Boba Fett and Mando sees Ahsoka but thinks, I think this looks more realistic in animation Mm. because aesthetically... Mm. What are you thinking, mate? It's a hard one. I think it's down to interpretation. I really do. Some people will think it's more realistic and other people will think it's rubbish. There are people that follow us on social media and listen to this podcast that aren't, aren't the biggest of fans of how Ahsoka looks or is portrayed yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, uh, in The Mandalorian and in Book of Boba Fett. But... Um, I th- I like her in both, and I think she looks more real. This is my interpretation, my opinion. I think she more, looks more real in live action. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that more. In animation, I think she's a bit OTT in the way that she can fight, the way she's jumping around. But that is kind of the that is that is the language, that is the vernacular of that that type of storytelling. It is a wee bit over the top. It's meant to be. It's the artistic style. Live action, I think, has done a tremendous job in translating that skill that Ahsoka has and that prequel style that she does have into live action. Um, so I, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with the young lad here, the, 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 crazy, the crazy young Swede, the Backman <laughs> Jr. Now, he sounds like a legend. But I do, I do think the animation may appeal naturally more to the, to the kids anyway. Put it like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I don't know, because some people, some people, they don't buy into the Ahsoka stuff. And I do, I do get it. And maybe as time goes on, it might look a bit rubbish, you know the way we look at some but then again i look at some twi'leks in the original trilogy and i go they look great they look yeah. like twi'leks yeah what do you think mate boy I I, uh, I I think i'm leaning toward i like both of them i think they're both as realistic as they can be in their own respective fields is that fair oh, but i think so yeah and i think what you've just said as well i mean look we, we've, we've got return of the jedi on the brain i mean someone like ula who gets eaten by the rancor looks Ooh, great Lord. and then they've also brought the character the uh, Femi Taylor back like 14 years later to film additional scenes and she still looked great um, yeah. so I think I think you're right I, I think well I mean recently in the last week there's been a lot of discourse about well this character looked better in animation oh they're too pale you know, get outside and touch the grass here. but um, no, it, I know you've got I like know. you come on but just let's just enjoy what we have whereas in this instance I think in Rebels I think Ahsoka looks great because of the art style the Clone Wars art style is unique but it it, it does open itself up to some very strange um, visual stylings look at obviously Count Dooku or Emperor yeah. Palpatine yeah um, but Ahsoka because my first uh, sight of her my first interactions with her if you will were in animation it's quite it's always hard to get past that for me so when I watch her in live action Rosario Dawson crushing it I do find my it's like almost like an uncanny valley where I'm thinking is that how animated Ahsoka stands is that how animated Ahsoka walks I can't get my head out of it but I think that in terms of live action I think she looks great I think they've done the best job they can in terms of bringing uh, a a Togruta character into 
live action. The Leku always get me because I, I can always kind of tell they're like, like foam. And I, yeah, I, I would actually prefer, and this is almost heresy to some, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if they, you know, just augmented those Leku with a little bit of CGI, just a little bit, just to make them. I don't know. They look very rigid on her shoulders. Yeah, that's it's true. In, in animation, they move a lot more. So I think in that sense, um, Young Backland is correct because in anim- animation there is more of a natural flow because it's an unnatural looking character so I-, I think the character works very well in animation very well yeah. and yeah. in live action from what I've seen I think she's very good but we haven't seen her do an awful lot in animation uh, in live action that would match her in live action yeah she's done some flips here and there but let's see it. Let- but when the Ahsoka show comes and-, and it's all focused on her possibly and she's do- and-, and we get more action I'll see how it um how the makeup and prosthetics stand up then but when she's just standing talking i think she looks great yeah yeah i think i think she looks great and it's it's amazing that again i said this in the recap it's amazing that we're living in a world where we've got a live action ahsoka it's Mate. so so surreal so surreal so, Star Wars fan. what a time what a time okay well there we go matilda hopefully the little uh, Backland lad is happy with that answer maybe I don't know let us know what he thinks let us know what he thinks um, last question of the Budabot Bantina and well is it, a, is it a question I suppose it is by the end but we, we've got a lovely little uh, paragraph here from Adrian Chorley he says hi lads this month I thought I'd be cheeky and use my Patreon question to plug my 7 year old TV acting debut by the time this pod airs, all four episodes of No Return will be available to stream on ITV Player and BritBox, with episodes going out on Monday nights at 9pm UK time, I'm assuming. Yes. Jack's a huge Star Wars fan, as you know, and dreams of one day appearing in a Lucasfilm production. Maybe Andor Season 2 needs a curly-haired northern boy. Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but, uh, hopefully you never know you never know but there are connections with star wars in this show his cousin is played by louis circus the son of supreme leader snoke himself and his uncle is played by michael gibson who played kylo ren shuttle pilot in the last jedi and jack tells me is a big star wars fan himself nice. you'll know him from the more uh, from that more gif <laughs> Yeah, our favourite one. Yeah, that is our favourite. Again, that's another gift Matty Boy and I send to each other pretty much on the reg. Uh, so here's the question. Who is your favourite Star Wars character who has less than 10 seconds of total screen time? Matty Boy, it's over to you, big boy. What are you saying, mate? Oh, great question, Adrian. What a congratulations to little Jack as well. Soon to be TV star, BAFTA award winner, Oscar winning, Golden Globe winning actor. Really great. Everyone who can tune into No Return, please do go and support the Chorley family with that. Um, with In terms of the question, who's my favourite Star Wars character with less than 10 seconds screen time? I had two, and neither of them I could find their name. And it's, Luke will tell you, before we started, I was des- I've got the visual dictionary and everything here trying to remember the name, but I can't. So the first one is in Rogue One. And I'm not entirely sure you actually see this character, but you certainly hear them, and it's made a big imprint on my heart. What is she proposing? The person in the <laughs> shout, whoever they got in to shout at, is the worst like overdub I've ever heard. No, that's my favourite Star Wars film, but look, nothing's immune from criticism. That bit is yeah. awful, and it makes yeah. me laugh every time. So whoever that is, 
well done. (laughs) Whether whether it's a good or bad part of the film, I remember it. Um, And the other one is from, uh, keeping it um, recent, The Rise of Skywalker. On on the First Order ship at the end with General Pride, Richard E. Grant's character, at the end when he's like, oh, divert power to this ship. But um, before that, there's this kind of cockney geezer who's a First Order officer. He's like, ah, sir, the power's gone down, sir. And he's like, divert all power to this ship. And he's like, right on, sir. He's this proper, like, I think, I don't know if it's um, Richard Durden or not, who was in uh, Batman and things like that way, way, way back in the day. But I think it might be Richard Durden, but it's just this really, really cockney-sounding geezer. He is literally all apples and pears in that, talking to uh, Admiral General uh, Legion Pride. But So for me, yeah, it's the what is she proposing character and the cockney fella in the on the bridge of the uh star destroyer and the rise of skywalker i i neither that they are so <laughs> obscure i can't find reference to them anywhere so i don't know who they are but it's those two characters and um also yeah shout out to your 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 uh answer there uh adrian michael gibson he's the guy who's like right on sir after hux gets flung against the wall of the gorilla walker so they're mine what about you, Lukey Boy? I'm interested to hear this. I mean, there are some great ones, aren't there? There are some great ones in every single Star Wars film, and I think that's what adds to the flavour of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, though. I've, I've recently picked up a pair of the Force figure of him. He's an <laughs> icon. People love him. Some people even call him Bumface. His name is Ponda Baba. <laughs> To me, Ponda Baba just looks like Star Wars. Bumface. And, and I, just getting the action figure of him, I'm look, I, I just look at him every morning and I go, this is what life's about. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is my purpose. It is Bumface and I'm like, this is it. Yeah, that's it. You know, I'm like, oh, that's not my wife I'm talking about. It's, it's definitely the action figure. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there we go. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to say Ponda Baba. I mean, you could do so, you could do so many because one again, I'll reiterate. There's so much flavour that comes with the character designs mm. and the looks of these guys. Oh, it is delicious. But um, there we go, Adrian. That's I think that's going to be my answer. Ponda Baba, boy, the legend, the myth, the bum oh, face, the bum face Baba. What a lad, uh, <laughs> Scott, Matilda, Adrian. Thank you so much for kicking off february with those quality patreon questions everybody else out there we'd love to hear your answers to those questions let us know when we give you the details very shortly however bartender that sorry about the mess but that is that for this week's edition in the bantina but you know we're going to be back again same time next week It's the Star Wars Sessions Game! Goom! Yes, that's right. It is the Sessions Goom. We end the show every week with a spicy game, just for the bants. Just for the bants, really. And this week is my turn to host matty boy are you ready to play this week's game uh, <laughs> i am very ready with a sense of trepidation he's very very ready very very ready matty boy this is a cheeky one i mentioned earlier 
about Lego figures. Right. Star Wars Lego minifigures. The game, 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 game. Um, play the music. Are you ready to play the best game of your life? Yes. Okay, good. Right answer. We are going to be looking at the top five most expensive Lego minifigures of all time. We're going to start off at number five, work our way Ooh. up, and I want you to guess who is in each position and what how much they're game. going for in US dollar. In US okay. dollar. Okay, the first one, position number five. Give and us... Give us your guess. And this is just a, a character, not ships or models, uh, just a character. I will, yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to accept, um, I'm going to accept character. And I'm going to give you, I think, three guesses. Right. Per one. The fifth and most expensive. And you have, you have like a limited time on each one. <laughs> right. The fifth most expensive Lego minifig is going to be Ahsoka Tano. No. Good um, guess. Very good guess. Uh, it's going to be um, Shaq T. No. No, uh, not a good guess. Um, it's original trilogy. Original trilogy. Uh, the fifth most... Chewbacca. Oh, good guess. No. <sighs> Matty boy, it is Luke Skywalker, Cloud yeah. City, Tan oh. Shirt from 2003. Man, how much... Now, now this is where you need to guess. Guess how much this is going for. Right, Rebo was fifty to one hundred, and you said that was a, f- a high figure. So I'm going to say it is high. It is high. Yeah, it, it's very high. I'm going to go one twenty, hundred twenty dollars higher. Oh man, one hundred fifty dollars higher. Go oh, come off it. Um, no, one hundred seventy five dollars higher. Oh man, for this for a two centimeter plastic. Yeah, let me tell you because you've had a few guesses there. Yep. It is two hundred and ninety-four US dollars what? and twenty-eight cents. Yeah. Oh my, well, I've written that down now, so I've got a, I've got okay. to jump off of right. So and just have that three hundred dollar mark in in your head, that okay? So that's bonky. the starting. That starts the top five figures. The next one, the next one, my boy. This this is this is so crazy. The the like I, d- I don't you you won't get the guess but i'll give you three gu- guesses nevertheless three it's really obscure it's really odd and it's not it's not like quote-unquote canon right it's kind of like a mashup so it's up uh, over to you three guesses go um is it like white boba fett or something good i i like your line of thinking no it's not um it's not it's a bit of a mashup um a revan no no it's not um oh i'm gonna say the final one is is it is it a variant of stormtrooper oh now we're talking i like the variant it's kind of like that it's kind of like that but no it is it is, Matty Boy. Are you ready for this ridiculousness? Yes. It is, it is a Yuletide squadron pilot. <laughs> is, like, it like, is it like green and red? It, it, is, it is red and white. Oh. It's, a, it's a red and white squadron pilot. 
Um, I'll be honest, it looks just super Star Warsy to me. It's just a dude with a big long white beard who's in an X-Wing outfit, basically. <laughs> but it was released. Oh. It, it was released in 2019. This is not an old figure. New jobby. In the grand scheme of things, it is it's relatively new. Now, price price the bucks what are we what are we thinking all right the last one was 294 so we said let's let's, let's stick it at 300 bucks okay you'd be wrong 320 higher 335 very close 338 dollars and 75 cents no yeah i'm not joking i'm not yeah for a minifig for a minifig Bruh. Number three. What are your guesses, Matty boy? Number three. Come on. Bring well, who haven't we said? So we said Luke. We said a Yuletide fella. Um, Yuletide let's go for, squadron. Uh, let's go for a... Uh, okay, again, Stormtrooper. A Stormtrooper. No. No. Um, now. 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 I'm, I, okay, I'm going to kick it new school. The Mandalorian. Oh, I like you thinking, but no. No. Um, who's a big character? Um, Yoda. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is a Yoda. Oh. Uh, oh. It is. It is. It is a Yoda. Film. Now I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. But it is a Yoda with a twist. Um, it is a Yoda. It is a Yoda minifig released in 2013 of Yoda wearing an I love new york t-shirt except <laughs> the t-shirt is ny i love <laughs> ah, i like it uh, i would yeah. never have got that in in a million years it is the toys r us times square 2013 exclusive uh re- yeah released in 2013 times square toys r us only i mean oh, it doesn't get much better than that well i mean uh, that's really price enough. price guesstimates what are you saying price guesstimates. Oh, so the last one was 330 Seven was it three thirty eight? Three three thirty eight. Uh, three thirty eight. Three forty five. Nope. Three fifty. Nope. Oh man. Three seven five. No, just just below that. It's three hundred and sixty five dollars and ten cents. That's what that goes for. And he's okay, now we're in the top two, Matty boy. You're doing good. Uh, number I've two. Got one what, at least. What, what 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 are your guesses for number two? Right, it's got to be someone. It's got to be someone fairly like, beefy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bowl straight in with Han Solo. No, good guess, but no. Come on. Um, mm. uh, who else is big in Star Wars? Uh, Princess Leia. No. One more. R two D two. Come on. <gasps> so close. <gasps> R four D five, what was his name? R five D four. No, C three PO. It's three PO. Goon droid. C three PO released in two thousand and seven is the Chrome Gold Star Wars thirtieth anniversary edition. Okay. Now, Matty boy, how much is our C three PO boy going for? Um, Yoda is three six five. So three gold. Well, um, Chrome Gold. Yeah. Well, Chrome Gold. I'm gonna. Right here we go. Let's go straight in with let's go highball in four hundred and fifty dollars. No, higher. No, um, five hundred dollars. Higher. 
Dude. Uh, $600. Higher. <laughs> yeah, it, go, it goes for $658.90. I'd want it to be made out of actual gold for that money. Right, right. Man. There we go. 2007, mate. If only we knew... If only we knew. I mean, this is crazy money. When you add it all together, this is crazy money. It's filth, mate. Right? This is the last one, Matty boy. This is the last one. What are you saying? Get your uh, guesses in. Right, so a figure. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a naughty boy on this one, alright? And I'm gonna link it to something else. I, I wonder if you're gonna get it first time. Because I know that I know what the most expensive or the most the rarefied crackling, as Maz would say, when it comes to actual figures, is. But would it be a start a Lego figure, minifigure? Would it people care that much? Um, I've got two characters in my head. Do it, drop it, come on, do it. Well, the first, well, okay, uh, the first one who I don't think it is is Darth Vader. It's not Darth Vader. Right. Well, the second one I think it is based solely on the fact that people go wild and and spend quarter of a million quid on his f- rare figure is Boba Fett. Matty boy, it's yeah. a Boba Fett figure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Adrian. Yes. There we go. It is a Cloud City oh. printed arms and legs of Boba Fett figure. From 2003. Mm. Matty boy, guesstimates, what, how, how much is this worth? The most expensive <laughs> Lego Star Wars minifig. A quarter of a million dollars. No, um, not that. No. Not, okay, nothing still, that cray cray. 658 was the last one. It was, yeah. So let's, let's dive in at a cool £700. Dollars. It's close, but it's higher. Oh my god! Um, yes, let's, con- let's continue right. in the let's continue in the quarters. Seven twenty-five. Very close. You've got one guess left, but seven twenty-nine. Eighty cents out. Eighty cents out. It goes for seven hundred and twenty-eight dollars and twenty cents. And there we go, it? ladies and gentlemen. That is this week's Star Wars Sessions Goo! That was an awesome game. I've got two, and I'm caught. Who's paying that much money? God, man, I'd probably buy that, and my kid would probably play it and like, snap the legs off. To be fair, I know. In, my, in the smugglers crate I got, I did get a little Ahsoka Lego minifigures, which I'm reliably informed goes for 50 to 100 quid on yes. certain websites. So, uh, Phil, so firstly, smugglers crate, thanks very much. Secondly, I kind of get why I, get, I I understand why they cost so much but I just can't get my head around paying that much but what an awesome game that was yeah and mate it's, it, it was so interesting because I wanted to actually find out how much the Max Rebo figure was going for mm-hmm. so that's what led me down down the list anyway but there we go my friends there we go oh mate well it's time to catch my breath and say that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions Episode 148 with Simon J. Williams from Rax Rebo. Thank you so much, sir. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? 
They can find us at StarWarsSessions.co.uk. Search for us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and we will be there. Just search Star Wars Sessions. Drop us a voice note or a message to our email. Hello there at StarWarsSessions.co.uk. And don't forget about that Patreon, guys. Patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. For $2 a month, you can sign up, watch-alongs, giveaways, bonus content, all the filth you can dream of for less than a rubbish cup of coffee. Come on. (laughs) It's a no-brainer. Get on it. Patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Chicka chicka. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, you're going to find us there. And if you do love our show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating or review on your podcast provider of choice, which now includes Spotify. Five stars really helps the show grow, gets new listeners in, and it's yet another way for us to hear from more of you each and every week. Yes, and please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your Ewok, tell your nearest puppeteer. Tell your cousin, the more the merrier, their castle spicier. Tell the English Rose herself that this is the podcast you're looking for. So, until next time from me, see ya, and from Luke. May the force be with you, always. Luke! Luke! Um, Rax, Mebo. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, it had to be. Come on, come on. We're here for Rax. it. Everyone loves it. You love it, we love it. The kids love it. They are Essex based podcast heroes. Max. Now that's a country club. <laughs>